George Kritikos here to talk to you about the Player Raider podcast. Along with co-host Ryan McDowell, we leverage the DLF player valuation tools and help inform you on your dynasty roster strategies. Whether you're joining a new startup, rebuilding a team, or maybe you're just not quite at contention level yet, we help you understand player values and how to really drive your team forward as dynasty owners. Tune in and enjoy the show. and a DLF family of podcasts. That's James of Brain. Guys, I'm a football junkie. I just injected NFL into my veins, and I'm loving every second of it. That's Travis the Beard. Hey, guys, what's transparent and smells like worms? A bird fart. (laughs) (laughs) I am John. Week one, so fun. Until I check my fantasy scores, Hogue, and this is a Super Flex Super Show. Week one of the 2018 season is in the books, and along the way we celebrated the time-honored tradition of players we liked all offseason doing absolutely nothing while obscure players turn in the performance of their lives. Now it's a mad scramble to get those zero-to-heroes on our fantasy rosters. We're fighting through the tilt wading through the waiver wire weirdness, and resisting the urge to spend our entire free agent budgets here in week two, and hopefully compelling you to do the same. Before we get to the ads, drops, buys, and sells, let's play a quick game of This Week I Learned, starting with the brain of James. All right, guys, so this week I learned that Marcus Mariota is probably not going to be a stable weekly starter He may end up having a similar floor slash ceiling as Jameis Winston. That was a plus matchup for for Mariota. I mean, Miami's defense, about middle of the pack last year, they're not all that great. Uh, Tennessee should have done better in this matchup. I know Mariota did get hurt. His hand was an issue. But before that, even, he had the two interceptions. So, I mean, this, this should have been a better performance. It makes me concerned about the upside for a guy like Corey Davis, who, again, you know, it's really reliant on Mariota getting him the ball, obviously. And if Mariota is incapable of that, I- I'm worried. Um, next thing is that Sam Bradford is not the answer in Arizona, not for the Cardinals, even in the short term. Um, no. There's, there, <laughs> we, we were kind of talking about this a little bit. Um, you could pretty much throw Tyrod Taylor in there, too, because it really looks like those young rookie quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen, may end up taking the reins a whole lot sooner than any of us thought. Um, because both those both those guys, Sam Bradford and Tyrod Taylor, looked looked just dreadful in Week One, um, and I don't know that they can even keep the ship afloat until those young guys are ready. Last thing I learned is that Andrew Luck might, just might, yeah, be back. He yeah. might be back, man. He 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 was he was dropping at one point. He was. I'm 20 sorry, I didn't, I didn't hear that. Can you say that again? Yeah, let me make uh, sure that that's recording. I didn't. I didn't hear that one. <laughs> I I did. I I said Andrew Luck might might just might be back. I mean, oh, he man. he looked really dun, good. Dun, 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 he he that's did. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> that's I, some I, tasty crow. I love I, it. Yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm eating it. I'm, and I tell you what, I'm I'm doing it with a smile because Andrew Luck really did look good, guys, and. The, the, that supporting cast, even though it wasn't very good and they lost the game, Andrew Luck still proved to me that he could put up numbers with those guys. So I, I want to see it again. I want to see it in a few, you know, a few more matchups. But it, it it might just be the Andrew Luck of old. So I'm I'm liking that. What about you, John? What did you learn? So this week I learned that Todd Haley is willing to send Jarvis Landry out on some deeper routes and let the the running backs be the safety valve. So there's my. That's the one where I'm going to eat some crow because I have not liked Jarvis Landry. I mean, basically throughout his entire career. When he was in Miami, I hated the way they used him. And I hated that it took 
you know, a fluky, a fluky number of touchdowns for him to be truly fantasy relevant, um, especially in a, in a non-PPR format. But it looks like they're actually going to send him out on some intermediate and deeper routes. And uh, all of a sudden, Jarvis Landry becomes a, a, a guy that I'm not going to have on any of my rosters, and I wish that I did. So, uh, yeah, thanks a lot. Todd Haley for uh, for finally unleashing the beast. Um, kind of too little, too late for me, but congratulations to the rest of you. You just got a really good receiver there. This week I learned that Jimmy Garoppolo is already looking for Dante Pettis. I'm not a huge fan of rookie wide receivers in redraft leagues, but, I mean, he had a beautiful touchdown pass to Dante Pettis, and uh, several uh, there were a couple a couple passes that missed the mark. Dante Pettis had an awesome catch along the sideline, and I mean he was facing a very very good Minnesota secondary, and they were able to connect on a, on some beautiful plays. So um, I'm really excited about that particular combo going forward. I still yeah, man, he looks good. Yeah, I still don't think that I'm gonna necessarily prioritize Dante Pettis in redraft this year, but um, he's gonna be on my radar in the coming years and then in dynasty um i'm i'm a buyer at this point how much of that do you think was affected by goodwin's absence yeah that well you know i'm not totally convinced um because didn't he leave in the first quarter he was kind of in and out of the game um he did leave for a for a little while in the first quarter he was back uh before halftime i believe and then uh, I think he finished the game, actually. But, I mean, the one thing that the having Marquise Goodwin on the field, what that actually did, I mean, I believe that the touchdown was with, uh, the Pettis touchdown was with uh, Goodwin on the field, if I remember right. And, uh, I mean, Marquise Goodwin basically drew the, the coverage away from Pettis. So... Um, I kind of like that, you know, as long as that lasts. Um, send all the, the tougher coverage over to Goodwin and uh, give Pettis something soft. So, um, And then this week I learned that the Cowboys' offense and the Chargers' defense are non-factors, at least until they get healthy. Um, the Chargers missing Joey Bosa, among others. Uh, the Cowboys' offensive line actually was mostly healthy. They had four of their five starters. The Cowboys actually might need a total change in philosophy along with the change in fortune. The play calling might have been a bigger issue, even more than health. Um, it was just a very uninspired offense that I thought was going to be really good. And uh, in our matchup show, I talked about that, you know, that matchup pot- potentially being a shootout. And uh, it was anything but. It was just hard to watch. All right. So what do you got, Travis? All right, so first thing I learned this week, I guess it's my turn to eat a little bit of crow. We should probably just avoid yeah. all of the Jaguars wide receivers. Uh, I've been hyping up Dante Moncrief. He's not a thing just yet. I still think that he's got the most upside in that offense, as crazy as you might think that is. That's um, not eating crow, by the way. That one's that one's fine. Uh, okay. <laughs> you, you can have that one. Well, only because Dante Moncrief stunk. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's why. <laughs> but he did have, I mean, <laughs> he had five targets. Did, yeah, Dante Moncrief had five targets. Keelan Cole had four targets. D.D. Westbrook had six targets. Like, it was just a mess, man. None of them did anything for us. And I don't know why we were thinking they were on this team that doesn't like to throw the ball even when Leonard Fournette gets hurt. Um, anyways, so probably staying away until I see a more consistent pattern with that target distribution um not I'm, I'm probably still holding Moncrief if I can but not not a huge deal like I'll drop him for one of these other guys I'm going to mention later um the next thing I learned is Tyreek Hill is in fact the real freaking deal man here's the crow time <laughs> um so I kind of already ate some what two week, two three weeks ago on Tyreek Hill and I I am officially a convert Nice. That's it. That's all I'm going to say. 
I still love it when you say nice things about Tyreek Hill. (laughs) You know what? You're going to probably hear a lot more about it because I'm not, I'm completely done pooping on Tyreek Hill. Nice. Nice. That dude. I mean, holy (laughs) crap, man. It's, I don't know how anybody cannot be bought in at this point after seeing him. Like I'm, I, there are still people doing it and I'm seeing it on Twitter. People still coming up with reasons to not like him. But I mean, if you watched him, if you watched that game, I don't know how anybody can deny it at this point. He's, he's legit, man. And poor Sammy Watkins. Anyways, uh, last thing I learned was don't start any Patriots wide receivers. Chris Hogan was like the most chalky of chalk starts of the whole week, I think. And he had one catch. And Philip Dorsett caught seven of seven targets and a touchdown. And yep. next week, next week, Chris Hogan's gonna have a hundred yards and two touchdowns, and Philip Dorsett, <laughs> who everybody started, is gonna have one catch for six yards. This is it, it's just Gronk, man. Gronk is the only one. Gronk and the running backs. I'm not touching any of these receivers anymore. Yeah. So last week in our Superflex SOPs, we gave you Philip Dorsett as a buy. Um, actually, I think he was a next week, this week guy, if I remember right. And uh, I think we were all kind of, I, I, at least I was high on Chris Hogan. I don't buy him this week either. They've got the, the Jaguars in Jacksonville, and I think he draws Jalen Ramsey would be my guess. So one more week to stay away from him, but uh, start buying him up. Um, he is going to have those weeks. You think, think he's but... legit? Philip, I... Philip Dorsett? Uh, Philip Dorsett, is, I believe he is, yeah. And then uh, I also think that Chris Hogan is still going to have those weeks. But I'm with you. Oh, I you. know it's... that. I know that, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, though. It's going to be a little tough to predict those. But I definitely don't think it's this week because, uh, like I said, Jalen Ramsey, I think, shuts him down. But so based on that, let's get into the Superflex SOPs with some ads and drops this week. And again, just like last week, we're looking for players who have a 33% ownership or less on Yahoo and uh, um, some guys to add. And we're going to actually mix up the positions a little bit. So let's start with you, Travis. Yep, so my first one here is Philip Lindsay. He's 6% owned right now. And he was the running back 11 this week out of nowhere. He legitimately looked awesome. He's majorly scary to me for Royce Freeman's seasonal outlook. You guys can I'd love to see how much you're buying into the Philip Lindsay uh game, especially the Homer over there, John, but I I'm I'm a little bit I'm a little bit scared of how much work he got. He had the same amount of carries and yards on the ground as Royce Freeman, but then he also was the pass catcher. Royce Freeman didn't have a single reception and Philip Lindsay had 31 yards through the air and a touchdown through the air. And I, I mean, I, I highly doubt he puts up these kinds of games very often, but I think he needs to be owned and he's very, very worrisome for Royce Freeman. Yeah, and he makes Devontae Booker completely obsolete. So. He was already obsolete. I've been telling <laughs> you that for months. <laughs> okay, but what I think and what you think matters far less than what Vance Joseph thinks. And I think well, that... just the fact that Vance Joseph just agrees with me, though. <laughs> <laughs> that just zero credibility. All right, by the way, I, I, I'm probably going to delete this part. Um, but I called Philip Lindsay a couple months ago and you and Bobby both threw D'Angelo Henderson in my face as the reason that Philip Lindsay is not a thing. Me? I did that? Yes. Yeah. I don't remember ever having a strong opinion about D'Angelo Henderson, but I, I could have definitely said something anti John's opinion without even thinking about what it was. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's probably what it was. Eat some more crow. (laughs) John was I I remember John you were uh, you were all about Philip Lindsay like was having one of the best camps and if it wasn't for Cortland Sutton people would have been talking about Philip Lindsay and I remember I was like yeah yeah all right cool I'm gonna I'm gonna store that away and uh, and you know in the back of my uh, my memory there so yeah I remember you were uh, you were on him early props to you John 
Thanks. Yeah, I'm. And you I'm... just ate some crow earlier, so you can definitely leave that in the show. Really? Nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now we got to go know. hard on John the rest of the episode. All right. Yeah, that's only fair. I don't. I don't love taking <laughs> victory laps, fair. but I don't. I just got a little too much crap from both Travis and Bobby when I tweeted out that Philip Lindsay is going to cut into Royce Freeman's workload. So. I just had to... So so what's the deal with with Lindsey, John? He had 15 carries on the ground, man. Yeah, and he's in he's runs between the tackles too. So uh that's you know that was the question is he going to be just kind of a satellite back? They tried running running him up the middle and he was just as effective as he was out in space and man, it, it starts to look to me like he becomes your lead back, um, you wow. know, just just based on his productivity on early downs, on rushing downs. Royce Freeman probably is the thumper and probably is the the goal line back, but man, I don't. Philip Lindsay's not going away, and in fact, this workload's only going to increase. So you're calling for for him to take even a larger share of that backfield? Yeah, you think he's going to be the one A legit? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. That's so hard for me to Wait, 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 wait. Who's going to gonna be the one B? Royce Freeman. <laughs> oh. Uh, okay. I hate you, James. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, it was impressive. He put up a catch line like Rojo would have. So, um Where was Rojo Ronald... in this week, James? Well, he can't Where catch. was Rojo remember, week 1? He can't he can't catch, remember? He, he's not good at catching the ball at all. But Royce Freeman Where was is good he? at catching the ball. Where is he? He's, oh, he that's was, right. He, he was, was a healthy freaking scratch. Show your mouth. He caught as many passes as, as Royce Freeman did week one. All right? Just saying. <laughs> that's not that's, – I can't even believe you're trying to use that as an argument. <laughs> uh, all right. So before we move on to the next one, I do – because, I mean, this is going to be a guy who's going to be the number one priority on a lot of waivers. So – in a fab league, how much are you going to put on Philip Lindsay? Man, I don't know. It's so hard for me because we see this every year in week one, and then there's always some players that that go off week one and then just disappear. And so it's really tough to burn any sort of significant percentage. But I, I don't know. Just from, I guess I don't know. I I'd, I'd say probably like thirty percent. I would probably max out what? at just because I yeah. don't know. Yeah, I agreed. Oh, that's crazy. I'm, I'm, you go I'm more getting, than that. I'm over 50% easy. I, I'm or getting, Philip Lindsay. Yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm getting Denver's starting running back. Absolutely. Wow. So, so wow. here's my concern. There's also just a lot of other guys I want. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, in, in, I mean, so the running back position to me, it changes every single week. And part of the reason for that is you get guys like Philip Lindsay. Part of my concern with him is, you know, he's a smaller back. He looked like a satellite type back. And now all of a sudden we're looking at, you know, workhorse type of workload for him. I don't know that he can hold up for that for the entire season. So I don't know that I want to go too hard after a guy who's who's not built to take on the workload that he's about to get, you know. So that's, I guess well, that's... Well, I think it. Royce Freeman's still there, and Royce Freeman got 15 carries too. Those guys right. combined for 30 carries. Yeah. How many times is that going to happen, and how many times is it going to be... You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I don't think Philip Lindsay's in line for 20-plus carries. Uh, well, I but I think that he is here for a few weeks, But that's and that's my wow. concern with him. Well, yeah. what, Royce Freeman's just going to be on the bench? No, he'll still get in, but I mean, yeah, I, I think that Philip Lindsay's going to see a lot more early down work. Yeah, and I don't know if it's carries as much as it is touches, you know, because he's going to catch the ball out of the backfield. And think about the game script. I mean, if if Denver's behind, I think Phil Lindsay's the guy that's going to be out there catching passes for Denver too. So um, I could see his his uh, his workload going up in the passing game as well. So that's why I want I want to own him is because I feel like he can he can give you you know twelve to to fifteen carries on the ground, and he can also give you you know five to seven receptions. So. I mean, if he can get close to 20 touches a game and I'm getting him on the waiver wire, then yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm all about it. Philip Lindsay or Deion Lewis? Deion Lewis. 
damn right. Yeah. <laughs> Just barely, though. It's awfully close. <laughs> Philip Lindsay or Royce Freeman, John? Oh, Philip Lindsay. Nice. Okay. Man, so although so that's redraft, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in redraft for sure. Um, oh, it's so hard for me to do. That's so hard. I think I, I, I can't do it after one week, man. I just can't. I get it. I'll, I'll also say this. I mean, like I said, my concern with Philip Lindsay is that I don't know how long he can hold up to that type of workload. So I give him a couple weeks of being kind of that lead back and then by Royce Freeman. Because he's going to play a role later in the season, I think. But that's just kind of a formula that I, that I use with every every single backfield in the NFL. That's not unique to the Broncos. It's not even just the the draft capital for me. It's the combination of of his draft capital and Royce Freeman's draft capital in the same rookie class. Like, how do you go spend a third round pick on a guy and then pick up this other guy? And he, you know what I mean, like. I just don't – it's hard for me to think he's just going to straight beat him out. Mm-hmm. And also, again, for me, it's largely – it's just – it's these one-week sample sizes, man. We see it every year where there's always a player or two or three that we go blow our fab on and then they just disappear into the ether. Yeah. And I don't think he's going to do that, but right. how many – I don't know. I don't know that I can buy into him him just straight up getting more carries than than Freeman but it's possible well I mean so the thing about draft capital though is it doesn't really matter who was drafted where all that matters is so you used one draft pick a third round pick on a running back and you ended up with a starting running back you know so it doesn't really matter I don't know that I agree with that I mean, that's, I mean, I get what you're, I get what you're saying. They, and people do that all the time. I mean, look at Seattle. They did the same thing. A seventh rounder and a first rounder and they got, can we just, since, since we're off the rails here a little bit, can we talk about Seattle? Cause that, that really, how do you give Chris Carson seven carries when he's got like 50 yards on the ground and then you proceed to give Rashad Penny seven carries. Who's got like seven yards on the ground. I think he had eight (laughs) yards on seven carries. Dude, yeah, yeah eight crazy. yards on seven carries, and Chris Carson sitting there at forty-nine yards on seven carries, and you're gonna tell me that you split carries? But dude, let me I, let me dude. tell you why. Let me tell you why. Because he was a freaking first-round pick. That's why. I'm yeah, telling that's you just this it, stuff but matters, that, man. But that, yeah, but that's mm. just it. That's just it. You're right. It matters. But how how can the coaching staff go into the locker room and say, okay, week two, we're gonna do the same thing? With a straight face and and really sell those guys that they're trying to win games because I, I don't I don't know how much longer you can do something like that like I there's one guy that was obviously elite and especially Seattle like I don't know Pete Carroll's the guy who played Russell Wilson after they paid Matt Flynn all that money and like it worked out so like, did you just I, call did you just call Chris Carson elite n- no <laughs> well he yeah, that electric. was that he was met elite. electric. Dude, if he would have gotten what 14, 15 carries, he would have had a hundred yards at that pace. That's that's I elite. I think you production. just called Chris Carson elite. I, you know what? He might be. <laughs> he might be an elite runner. Nice, taking it even farther than I do. It's awesome. They also got. They also both had five targets. They. It's almost like they were just like, okay, we have exactly twelve touches for each of them. Yeah, like, it's. That was pretty. Yeah. That was pretty crazy. When watching but that's that game, like, honestly, at no point did you ever think that Rashad Penny was half as good as Chris Carson was in that game. Like, you didn't even need to see the numbers on the chest. You could just watch them play and go, that was Chris Carson. Oh, that was Penny. Yeah. Like, you could I just to- tell. I totally so agree. Bad. Chris totally Carson agree, jumped but... over an entire human man. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I agree with all of that. But honestly, this this game worries me for Chris Carson. Like, I know he was clearly the better player, but how are you – like, if they're going to do that and they're going to get Rashad Penny that much work in week one after coming back from a hand injury and and it, and he comes out and underperforms like that, like, I just – it just honestly shows me that they're not going to commit to Chris Carson as a 15 to 20 carry guy. Do you think they can well, really – if Chris Carson outperforms Rashad Penny the next couple of weeks, do you think they can continue to to do this and like – Well, I think no. that's the thing is he probably 
Penny is not a horrible player. Like he's gonna, he's not gonna uh, put up eight uh, yards on seven <laughs> carries, dude. Uh, all right. Yeah, this was a this it's was not a Rojo of... we're talking about here. Oh, Lobo. <laughs> oh, Lobo. there it is. So. Okay. Well, I mean, the thing is, this is kind of an extension of training camp for them, kind of an extension of preseason because they didn't get to see Rashad Penny in the preseason. So they're just uh, this is just kind of the this is how you compare the two of them. You know, against the same defense with the same number of catches or same number of carries, same same number of touches. And I mean, there you got your result. Chris Carson is yeah. still the better player. So yeah, I mean, if they come out and they do this again and they have the same result, they're they're not gonna play Penny over Carson. I mean, they can't. But I just right. don't know that that happens. I yeah, think I, if they keep giving him work, he's gonna have better games than eight yards on seven carries. So I think it's going to be a nightmare for the next few weeks for both of these guys. Yeah. As far as starting them in redraft leagues. Yeah. Until they finally get it figured out for, for good. Yep. That'll be right around the time when Chris Carson gets hurt. (laughs) All right, John. So you want to give us your first waiver wire pickup? Yeah, that was a, that was a good conversation on Philip Lindsay. And I feel like he's a little polarizing right at the moment. So um, is uh, kind of acceptable to spend some some time on that one, but uh, the rest of these will probably go fairly fast. But this one also might be a little controversial, a little polarizing. But I'm going with a quarterback here in redraft. Uh, Josh Rosen is only three percent owned. It's probably more than that in superflex, but maybe not a lot. Josh Rosen. I'd sh- say probably. Sorry, I'd no, say probably fifty-fifty chance he's out there in in superflex redraft leagues, don't you think? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, and Josh Rosen really should be a hundred percent owned at this point. He should have been the starting quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals, and I said that throughout the 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 preseason that Sam Bradford just he doesn't give you any kind of any kind of hope, any kind of inspiration whatsoever. There's there's no reason to believe that you're a playoff team with Sam Bradford, so why not? And and then he goes out and looks just absolutely terrible. Why wouldn't you go with Josh Rosen? You don't you you have no idea what you're gonna get. So the day is coming very, very fast. Josh Rosen's gonna be the starter of the Cardinals, so pick him up now, you know, before he actually wins that job outright. Yeah, I I like that and for my my first uh, my first player here that I'm uh, I'm saying you should probably go add, it, it's for a lot of the same reasoning, and that's Baker Mayfield. Um, I think Baker Mayfield is available in a lot of leagues as well, and the reason why I'd add him is because well, Tyrod Taylor didn't look very good either, and Travis and I kind of hit on it earlier. He was so bad. <laughs> so he bad. was fifteen for forty. Insane 15 for forty. I mean that is that's <laughs> terrible. I know, everybody, I know everybody Under, says this, but we could go out there and throw 15 for 40. I mean, yeah. the, the, yeah, especially and, with and, those weapons. Gordon had a beautiful touchdown catch. Landry was just constantly open, and you still can't complete more than 15. Yeah, that's that's not yeah. sustainable. And that's just it, is we, we heard all week about how, well, all weekend, we heard about how the conditions were going to be terrible there. They weren't as bad. I mean, Big Ben threw for, you know, 260 yards or something, over 250 yards. Um, and, and Tyrod, you know, didn't even did, didn't even hit the 200-yard mark passing. <clears throat> he did add 77 yards and a touchdown on the ground, so he was efficient there. But, I mean, that's nothing that Baker can't do. So I, I think when you're looking at this, like the, the Browns had every chance to win that game against Pittsburgh. It's division rival at home, you know, I that that was that was a game that they should have won, and I think Tyrod has to has to carry some of the blame for that one. I think Baker Mayfield's a whole lot closer to starting. Um, another another outing or two like that from Tyrod, and I think Baker's going to be in there. So I I would pick him up, a high upside guy who I think could uh, pay dividends if you're looking for a quarterback. Maybe you drafted a guy like Mariota. Maybe maybe you need a high upside guy like Baker Mayfield. Yep, I love both of those picks. It looks like we're going to see these rookies sooner rather than later. And Tyrod and Bradford both looked atrocious. All right, my next one is Quincy Inunua. Quincy Inunua had 10 freaking targets last night, man. 10 targets. Terrell Pryor had three. Robbie Anderson was a complete afterthought with one target on the night. And 
I've, I've had a feeling about Quincy Nunwa for a while now, and I thought it was crazy that Robbie Anderson was the only Jets receiver being drafted. So this one, I mean, I think he needs to be owned everywhere. I think that he he has a very good chance of being the wide receiver one for the Jets for the majority of the season. Nice. That's a good one. I like that. All right, I'm going to give you a running back this time, TJ Yeldon, who's only 15% owned. Now, granted, you know, the the big fantasy week was a product was a byproduct of Leonard Fournette going down with an injury. I I I don't expect Leonard Fournette to miss really any time at this point, but TJ Yeldon is going to have a role on this team as a pass catcher regardless. And I also think that nagging injuries are going to get to Leonard Fournette fairly consistently throughout the season. There are going to be times where TJ Yeldon is going to have standalone value as the, you know, as the lead back, as the the backup to Leonard Fournette. So, um, but even just as a, even just in a PPR league, just as a pass catching back in that offense that loves to dump it off, uh, TJ Yeldon is is going to be startable um, in a fair amount of weeks uh, this season. What do you got for us, James? Well, I got a wide receiver, and I'm going to go with Ted Ginn Jr. And, look, the Saints offense, it it was interesting to watch. It was the Alvin Kamara show. It was the Michael Thomas show. But a guy that kind of flew under the radar was Ted Ginn. And, you know, he's starting opposite of Michael Thomas, and he he looked the part, man. I mean, he he played well. Um, And, you know, this is kind of the forgotten guy in that Saints offense. I think a lot of people, including myself, had high hopes for Traquan Smith. And he did nothing. Austin Carr started in the slot, and he had a couple catches for like 20 yards. But he didn't do a whole lot either. It was really a three-man offense. And, well, outside of Breeze, it was a three-man offense with Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, and Ted Ginn Jr. And Ted Ginn Jr. is the one that's forgotten about. He's the guy that you can get the cheapest. I think you can pick him up on a lot of leagues. I would look for Ted Ginn Jr. if you need some wide receiver help. I think uh, this passing offense, the way that Saints defense looked, there's a good chance this Saints passing offense is going to be, uh, you know, Drew Brees going to be putting the ball in the air an awful lot. He could be playing from behind an awful lot, too, if week one was any indication. So I'd go grab Ted Ginn Jr. now and uh, feel pretty good about being able to start him. Um, My next guy is Jonu Smith. Um, Delaney Walker was officially ruled out for the season, and I think it's wheels up for Jonu Smith, man. He only had three targets in week one, but Delaney Walker didn't get injured until the fourth quarter. So I think that he could see significant volume and be, you know, a low end tight end one. What do you guys think about Johnny Smith? I love it, man. I like that call an awful lot. Yeah, definitely. Um, Especially, well, actually either way, regardless of who the quarterback is, I mean, Mariota definitely has targeted, uh, Delaney Walker quite a bit so they use the tight end Um, but Blaine Gabbert we saw him zero in on Ricky Seals Jones towards the end of last season with Arizona so yeah either way I think that Johnny Smith is a is a really good target Um, I'm going to give you a, a wide receiver here John Brown who scored a touchdown a long touchdown for the for the Ravens this week this could be this is an interesting offense. I kind of had a, this feeling about Dak Prescott that he was going to th- just kind of spread the ball around among his wide receivers. It definitely didn't work out that way. But uh, w- what's interesting is I think I just got the name wrong, the team wrong. Joe Flacco, rather than you know just zeroing in on Michael Crabtree as the obvious wide receiver one, which he kind of did. I mean, most of the targets went to Crabtree, but... He spread it around quite a bit between uh, with John Brown and Willie Sneed and actually the tight ends and, and running backs as well. But I think John Brown is going to be the field stretcher here, and uh, I think that he's he's going to be startable more often than not as well. Definitely with touchdown upside like in a standard scoring league, but um, some definite PPR value as well. Yeah, I like that one, man. Michael Crabtree, Willie Sneed, Nick Boyle, and Buck Allen all tied for the team lead in targets with six. So he's definitely spreading the ball around there. Mm-hmm. John Brown, I think, had 
five or four, but still, I mean, he's definitely got the upside. He's always been a good player. It's just been injuries with him. Yeah. Yep. And right at the moment, he's healthy. So he's 20% owned. I That's probably not going to go up a whole lot. You can probably still get him pretty cheap this week. Yeah, and I think that a lot of people are going to go for Willie Sneed. What do you guys think about that? That one might even be a little cheaper. Really? I was thinking Willie Sneed would probably be the name that most people go to on the waiver wire. Really? Just because they know that name and he had that one good season with the Saints and then he also, uh, I think he led the team in receiving, didn't he? Yeah. Four for 49 and a touchdown. John Brown had four targets, three catches, 44 yards and a touchdown. So, I mean, very similar stat lines across the board for all these guys. Crabtree had three for 38 and a touchdown. So it's. I think it's going to be pretty rare that the Ravens and Joe Flacco throws three touchdowns in a game. So it'll be interesting to see where the touchdown goes when he only throws one in a game. Yeah. And that's the guy we want. And it definitely could be John Brown. Nice. All right, guys. Every, everyone gather around because I'm about to I'm, I'm about to give you the guy that you're going to get on your waiver wire for next to nothing. And he's going to help you win. All right. I'm going tight end. I'm I'm going to tell you, grab the one rookie tight end that is worth owning on the Baltimore Ravens roster. Grab Mark Andrews. And we're going to Baltimore again. Obviously, they, they put up 47 points. They They played Buffalo. I understand that. But Mark Andrews is the tight end to own there. Look, this week especially, if you're looking for a tight end to stream, this week, go grab Mark Andrews. He is playing the Cincinnati Bengals. We just saw Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron both put up good numbers against him, against the Bengals. Baltimore gets to play that Cincinnati defense that didn't do a very good job covering the tight ends last week. And Mark Andrews on four uh, on four targets, called in three of them for 31 yards. I think he gets targeted twice as much. I could see seven to eight targets this week. I could see him hauling in six grabs for 60-some yards and maybe even a touchdown there. So I really like Mark Andrews, especially for this week. Even if you grab him this week and he does something like that, he has a stat line like that where he's, you know, 60 yards and a touchdown off of six catches, I think you uh, you may have a guy whose value is going to skyrocket, maybe even a guy that you put on your bench. So um, not not a guy that I'm, I'm looking at that's going to start every week for you, but this week, definitely pick up Mark Andrews. A lot of people are streaming tight ends with the injuries that are happening. If you're doing that, Mark Andrews is a guy that I would pick up right away here. So, um, Travis, if, if back we have on more, you. Yeah, if we have more time, I would argue with you about that one. But, yeah, let's uh, let's get to some drops so that we can move on. All right, so I am saying that it's okay to drop Danny Amendola and Albert Wilson. Uh, this situation is pretty gross. Kenny Stills is the only one we want to start, but even he just got five targets. So he's going to be inconsistent as well. Danny Amendola had six targets. Albert Wilson had four. But those guys are, I mean, we're talking like basement level flex plays at best. So I think that they're definitely droppable for some of these other upside guys. And did you guys know that Jordy Nelson is 86% owned right now? Why is Jordy Nelson 86% owned in redraft leagues? <laughs> that is oh, wow. insane. Yeah. I don't he know needs if... to be dropped. Jordy Nelson got four targets last night. And I know that one game does not, I mean, I, <laughs> he's just not going to be used in that offense, man. I mean, we've been saying it for a long time, I think. And he's not the player he used to be. And... In in this John Gruden offense, I mean, he has a he has a history of supporting a wide receiver one, which apparently was Jared Cook last night. But <laughs> Jordy Nelson needs to not be eighty six percent owned anymore. He needs to be on waiver wires. Yep, drop him for pretty much any of the guys that we've already mentioned. Here's a couple guys you can drop for me, anyways. Uh, in redraft, you can drop Calvin Ridley. Obviously, hang on to him in dynasty, but in redraft. I it, there's not going to be anything for him this year, and then Muhammad Sanu just drop him in all formats. I mean, I don't, I don't. From what we, I know that they played a very good Philadelphia Eagles secondary, but the Atlanta Falcons offense just it it looks exactly the same as it did last year. That nothing has changed. The the Steve Sarkeesian offense is 
still just I have no interest in that passing offense beyond Julio Jones. And Matt Ryan in a super flex, you still got to hang on to him. But I don't know when you're going to start him with a whole lot of confidence even. So you can definitely drop, you know, Austin Hooper, Mohamed Sanu, and then again in redraft Calvin Ridley as well. Tell you what, I'm I'm going to get to a couple running backs that I think you could drop right away. The first one is Gio Bernard. And look, Gio Bernard had – I know I know it's only one game, but he had one carry and one reception on one target. That's two touches, guys. He had two touches. And this is more about it has more to do with Joe Mixon than it does with Gio Bernard, because Joe Mixon looked fantastic running the ball, and he looked great catching the ball out of the backfield on seven targets. He had five receptions for fifty four yards. So if if you don't need Gio Bernard to be the pass catching back and you don't need him to be your primary ball carrier. What is he? He's he's a handcuff at best and one that I'm not interested in in keeping. So I, I'm cutting Gio Bernard after uh, after seeing the usage. Um, and and word coming out is that Marvin Jones thinks that Joe Joe Mixon can be even more carry more of the workload. So yeah, I'm not interested in Gio Bernard. I'm letting him go on all my rosters uh, for some better options. And Mike Gillisley is the other guy. You know, going to New Orleans, it looked like, hey, for the first four weeks, this guy might be useful. I mean, there's no Mark Ingram there. And it looked like he had carved out a role until he fumbled. And as soon as he fumbled early in that game, gave Tampa Bay the ball back. They had the momentum, and Tampa Bay ended up scoring off that. Mike Gillisley sat on the bench, didn't do much after that. So uh, I think I think he's on his way out of New Orleans, and I don't. I don't think he needs to be rostered anymore either. On to the next piece of the Superflex SOPs for the week, the buys and sells. These guys are owned in 60% plus of Yahoo leagues, so they really do need to be owned. But these are guys who are you could buy a little bit low, you could sell high, and uh, these are guys who uh, should definitely be on the move at this point. And we'll, again, we'll start with you, Travis. All right, so first up for my sells is Deshaun Jackson. I'm not buying into Deshaun Jackson. This was was a crazy game. Probably not going to have very many 48-point games out of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he caught two long bombs. He was only targeted five times, and he was out-snapped by Chris Godwin. If you can get anything for Deshaun Jackson right now, now is your chance to do so. My next sell is Isaiah Crowell. Um, Crowell had the big game with 102 yards and two touchdowns, but he only had 10 carries and he wasn't targeted in the passing game. He was out carried and out targeted by Bilal Powell. He had that Crowell had that one 62 yard touchdown that inflated his fantasy day. If you can find an owner in your league that just looks at that box score and thinks Isaiah Crowell is a workhorse running back, this may be the best game he has all season long. And for my buys, I have, All of the 49ers, Um, we all knew this was going to be a bad matchup. The 49ers fantasy players were going to struggle. We knew that. So don't let this one game get you down on these guys. Buy Jimmy Garoppolo. Buy Alfred Morris. Alfred Morris was in a horrible matchup. We knew the game script was going to be bad. We knew he stinks in the passing game. He's going to have games in which he has significant work on the ground. And he's going to be usable for us. So I think it's a good buying opportunity for those two guys. My next buy is Amari Cooper. John, you just said he's probably a sell, so interested to hear your opinion there. But again, we said we said to sit Amari Cooper this week, and we said to expect a bad game. So I don't know why everybody's surprised that he had one catch. He was dealing with Marcus Peters all night, and when he wasn't, he had Aqib Tlaib on the other side. This game is going to get a lot of people completely off of Amari Cooper in a big way. I had somebody text me already and said that he's I think they said hot garbage. And so you can swoop in and buy Amari Cooper on the cheap right now. And I think that he's going to be a wide receiver too this season. So there you go. And my last one is Sony Michelle. And I just think that I think that he's going to be the guy here in New England sooner rather than later. He's going to be healthy in the next one to two weeks. Rex Burkhead was okay. But nothing special. And James White obviously had a, a big game in the passing game. But I think that once Sony Michelle comes back, I think he sees significant work. And I think he's going to be startable in fantasy. So having a having a player get zero points on your bench because he's injured really gets at people pretty quick. So I think people are going to sour on him and and be looking to move him. 
you might be right. Looking at his schedule, it, it definitely softens up a little bit here. All right, so let's move on. I'm selling Jamal Williams. I, I mean, ooh, <laughs> he just <laughs> man. It, so first of all, Ty Montgomery looked like the more explosive of the two backs against the Bears. I know that Jamal Williams is a little bit better in pass protection, and that might get him on the field a little bit more. But as far as actual fantasy production, plus they've got Minnesota this week, it's going to be hard to run. I don't know. I don't. And Aaron Jones is looming. You know, now's the chance. Now's the time for Jamal Williams to actually, you know, cement his status on that roster in that depth chart. But if uh if he can't if he can't be more productive than he was against the bears uh i don't i think it's going to be an awfully quick changing of the guards in that backfield and now buying chris hogan he got jonathan joseph a lot this week i don't think that always happens it's going to be another tough week for him like i mentioned earlier he probably gets jalen ramsey and uh but i think that Chris Hogan is going to end up getting softer coverage throughout the season, and I think that he's still the wide receiver one in that offense. And I'm also buying Derrick Henry. There's no way. There's no way. (laughs) There's no way that Deion Lewis continues to get 70% of the touches in that backfield. Derrick Henry's going to take on a much bigger role than that um, in a lot of weeks. He doesn't even have to be the lead back. It could be fifty-one forty-nine in favor of Deion Lewis, and and I still think that Derrick Henry is a buy. He he might be a buy just because he of the the poor game that he had, but I he's still not going to be the best running back in that backfield. Uh, probably he'll, he'll have his games. I mean, yeah. this game script was in favor of Deion Lewis, no doubt. Um. <clears throat> And any time that they're winning, it's probably not going to be that way. Derrick Henry's going to have his games, but I, I just I watch this game, and I it just every time I watch these games, it furthers my my opinion of Deion Lewis just being a better player, man. Yeah, yeah. My concern is how, how often are the Titans going to be leading? I, I, Mariota looked terrible. I mean, I, I, I don't know, man. I, It'll be interesting to see how many weeks De- uh, Derrick Henry ends up being usable by the end of the year. And I, I like Derrick Henry's talents. I'm okay with him, but I, uh, I'm i concerned. I'm concerned the game script is going to call for Deion Lewis a whole lot more often than it will for Derrick Henry. All right, guys. Well, I'm going to tell you everybody I'm selling, and you can tell me how uh, terrible those takes are. First guy I'm selling is James Conner, and he just had a huge game, a monster game. He got 31 carries, guy ran for over 130 yards, got in the end zone a couple times, um, just had a, had a monster game, right? And <clears throat> it's probably going to be the best game that he has all year because, I mean, that that was uh, 31 carries. I mean, the, the Steelers made a point of getting him the ball and getting him the ball often. Um, I think they were out to prove a point, and I think the point was proved. Um, that James Conner can can be the workload running back, can be the workhorse running back for this offense if Le'Veon Bell doesn't report. Thing is, is that right now you could probably get a small fortune for him, especially, especially if you own him and if he's on your roster and you do not have Le'Veon Bell on your roster. To go to the Le'Veon Bell owner right now and say, "Hey, look, James Conner right here is is for sale." I think you can get you can get a, an awful lot for him right now. So I'm selling him because I think I can sell him at the highest of highs at his peak in redraft dynasty. I'm not so high on selling them only because next year you're probably looking at a starter for a high octane offense, but in redraft, I am definitely selling him right now, especially to that Le'Veon Bell owner. I'm going to try to get everything I can out of him. Second player I'm selling is Jared cook. Look, it, it, it's, it's well known. Those, those cornerbacks on the outside, um, you know, and the pass rush when you have Aaron Donald and the Dominican Sioux and you have Michael Brockers, you have a bunch of guys who can rush the passer um, I, I think it was pretty obvious that if you're going to attack this Rams defense, you're probably going to want to do it in the middle of the field. And Jared Cook ended up being the main beneficiary of that. Now, he looked really good. He he did not go down with first contact very often. He was bulldozing over guys, the bulldozer. He was bulldozing over guys, and he was looking really, really good doing it. 
But I still think if you have Jared Cook right now and with the, the injuries that happened at tight end and some of the disappointments in week one for tight end, if someone's looking to upgrade at that position, you can get an awful lot for Jared Cook after one week. Um, this is a guy that there's – I will go on record as saying that he will not have a better week than what he just had week one. There's no way. You're selling at the highest of highs in redraft right now. So if you have Jared Cook somehow, some way, end up on your roster, sell him. Sell him high because you can sell him now at his highest price. Um, the last guy that I am going to, to talk about that I'm going to buy is Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler looked fantastic as part of that Chargers offense. And I tell you what, I was – I was – cautious about Austin Eckler coming into this year because I thought last year was kind of an outlier season for him. I didn't know that he can continue doing that. Well, he did. Austin Eckler, he he had five carries for 39 yards, so he averaged 7.8 yards a carry. And I know it was only on five carries, but he definitely looked like the best running back there, um, uh, running, you know, on, on the ground, rushing. And then both both Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler were involved in the passing game. Austin Eckler turned five targets into five receptions for 87 yards and a touchdown. That is insane. And not only did he do that, but Philip Rivers showed that he trusted him. That on his touch, uh, on a couple of his throws, they were contested passes. He just kind of put it up there and let Austin Eckler come down with it. Eckler looked really good. He looks like he's going to be a staple in this offense, especially in the passing game. But he can provide enough on the ground, too, to where he's going to be uh, really usable in a lot of weeks. Uh, the Chargers' defense did not look anywhere near as good as everybody thought they would. If that continues... Chargers are going to be throwing the ball an awful lot, and Austin Eckler is going to be on the field an awful lot. So that's a guy that I'm buying. I think you can buy him for relatively well right now. He did have a good game, but I think you can buy him still on the cheap. I don't, you know, he's he's still number two on the depth chart, um, but I think he can outproduce some of the number ones on their depth chart. So I'm buying Austin Eckler. What do you guys think? Am I totally nuts for for saying that? No, hell no. Yeah, I'm with you on Eckler. I don't agree with you on James Conner or Jared Cook as sells, but uh, I definitely agree with Austin Eckler. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay with it. I think that this might be the best game Austin Eckler has all season, but I agree that he should be usable. Um, Melvin Gordon still got 13 targets in the passing game. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he's still by far the secondary back, by far. I mean, Melvin Gordon got 28 looks. Austin Eckler got 10. But he, I mean, he should be he should be flexible most weeks. That he's just going to have some weeks where he doesn't do anything for you. Um, and it's worth noting that he's only seventeen percent owned right now. So you might not even have to buy him. You might be able to get him for free. Just pick him up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Speaking of that, let's get to our last segment here. Next week, this week, which last week we gave you. So these are some players who are on waivers right now, most likely who you could pick up now before they become top waiver priorities next week. Last week we gave you such players as Brandon Marshall, John Ross, Quincy Inunua, Philip Dorsett. If you picked up those guys last week, you saved yourself a ton of fab because those players are all going to be high priorities this week on waivers, and they're going to cost a lot more than the price of free that they probably would have been last week. Hey, so, we did pretty good. We we kicked ass last week. <laughs> let's let's repeat it this week. Let's see what we can do this week, and we'll start again with you, Travis. All right. So I have I have two tight ends here. The first one's Vance McDonald. Uh, Jesse James had five targets this week. He had three catches for sixty yards. Vance McDonald should be back this week. It might be a little early for Vance McDonald, but that's kind of the exercise. I think Vance McDonald has the upside to justify a roster spot until we see a couple games with him in this offense, if he can ever stay healthy for a couple games in a row. But I really like Vance McDonald, and and I mean, if Jesse James is going to get three catches for 60 yards, <laughs> I, you know, I just feel like Vance McDonald, he was already listed as a starter before the season, before he got hurt. So I think that once he's healthy, he should see some volume there. And then my next one's Ian Thomas. And sad, sad, sad day for Greg Olson. It seems like he's going to miss pretty significant time. I, I think, I don't know if there's any been any word today. So you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. But we don't know how much time Greg Olson's going to miss. But he was in a walking boot. He was on crutches. I read somewhere that he re-injured uh, that Jones fracture. So I don't know. I don't know how long he's going to be out. But either way... 
Ian Thomas, I think, is a a beneficiary there. He's probably going to be a really low-end tight end streamer, but he's worth a pickup to see how it works out. I'm probably leaning more towards just Devin Funchess getting more of that volume, but Ian Thomas should definitely be owned in any sort of you know remotely deep league. All right, I've got three for you this week. First of all is Buffalo Bills running back Marcus Murphy. He actually re- he actually led the Bills in rushing. Um, same number of carries as LaShawn McCoy. I thought, I going into the season, I loved Chris Ivory as one of my sleepers. But, and, uh, and Yeah, the, you did. The process, and the process was sound. I mean, LaShawn McCoy. Oh, the process. <laughs> I, knew, I, knew James, I knew you were going to get James on that one. That was, that was kind of the goal a little bit. We, we hadn't used that one. We hadn't used the magic word yet this year this season so yeah i yeah. gotta start working that back into the show exactly oh god yeah. no no <laughs> <laughs> so anyways yeah the logic was the idea was that Lashawn mccoy is right at the edge of the cliff he's not going to be able to handle nearly as much of a workload and i don't even know that he's going to be able to stay healthy and stay effective for the entire season anyways so first of all that they were going to turn this into a little bit more of a timeshare and second of all, at some point, LaShawn McCoy was going to go down with an injury and some and somebody, I thought it would be Chris Ivory, kind of takes over that role altogether. Well, it looks like Marcus Murphy is actually the number two. And uh, I think that he's going to have some, some standalone value in the meantime. But I also do think that there's a significant opportunity coming um, for... Uh, for whoever the backup is, and like I said, right at the moment, it looks like it's Marcus Murphy. Number two is Jakeem Grant, who uh, led, who was second on the the Dolphins in both targets and yards, and uh, to Kenny Stills. Um, certainly, Devontae Parker missing the game with an injury that that definitely helped. But Jakeem Grant looks like um, he's going to get a lot of attention from Ryan Tannehill. And uh, third is Deshaun Kaiser. In that short amount of time when Deshaun Kaiser came into the game to replace Aaron Rodgers with that knee injury, he he looked good. He looked sharp. And uh, I think that at the very least in a super flex, you probably need to handcuff Aaron Rodgers with Deshaun Kaiser. I'm still a little concerned about that knee injury. And I, I got to be honest, guys, I don't know why you would necessarily throw Aaron Rodgers out there against that Minnesota Vikings uh Minnesota Vikings pass rush when he can't put any weight on his on his plant foot on his left foot on his left leg so um I there's a chance that Deshaun Kaiser at least gets a start if not or or at least gets some playing time if not gets the start and uh, he could start. He could see some time if uh, if the knee injury ends up being a, a kind of an ongoing nagging thing for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that's interesting. He definitely has some value there if Rodgers misses any time. But Rodgers on one leg is probably better than Kaiser on two. So <laughs> man, says but, the Browns fan. Yeah. That yeah. Yeah. Well, that was huge. I, I think by the I way, think says so. Packer fans too after last week um, after that Sunday night comeback when Rodgers. Rogers came back and uh, and yeah, that was that okay. was something else. But so that was okay. left less of a referendum on Kaiser and more just of a some pray some extra praise for Aaron Rodgers because he needs yeah him. yeah that yeah he, he was I I could feel that his ego was hurting somewhere so <laughs> um, yeah so I all right I'm gonna say this first name and it's gonna take every ounce of me. To to say this first name is a yes, guy that I'm yes, probably looking yes, at. Yes, yeah, yes. your hair is just <laughs> jumping off your head right now. Oh, goodness, it's it's Blaine Gabbard, and yes. it's it's nothing more than situational. The infamous okay? Blaine it is, Gabbard. It is your boy, James. Your than, boy, Blaine Gabbard. Oh, my God, your hairstylist. Oh, what a person I have as my hairstylist, too. But anyways, all right. Do you want to so... remind the listeners in case, you know, we've got some new listeners since that, that whole whole ordeal went down. Do <laughs> you want to remind them why Blaine Gabbard is such an important name on this show? Yes, Travis, absolutely I do. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> 
Travis and I last season had a bet that uh, Blaine Gabbert would not pass for over 250 yards in uh, in a, a matchup where he uh, was the starting quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals at the time. And Blaine Gabbert got it on the very last play of, from scrimmage in a meaningless throw that didn't even <laughs> need to be made because the game was out of hand, but he got it. And I had to shave my head because the the bet was my <laughs> hair versus Travis's beard, and I had to shave my 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 hair. All all of it was gone. It was long, so it was. It was. I, so I don't even want to get into it. I don't and even want to get into it. There was absolutely right no reason for Blaine Gabbert to throw that last pass that put him. I over. know that was the best <laughs> part of it. No, no, there, there was. I Blaine Gabbert just Adam just because. <laughs> Marcus Mariota is still dealing with that 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 elbow thing, and Wayne Gabbert might end up getting the start. He's playing Houston. Houston's defense is really really hit or miss. I mean, uh, there was a lot of people that were really high on them because of the pass rush, but last year they were terrible, and this year New England looked like they were okay against them too, and they didn't have a lot of passing options. So um, Wayne Gabbert might be the guy there that uh, that that does something. I'm going to go with another uh, another Titan, and I'm not going to get into it too much because Travis, you already had him as one of your buys, and that's Janu Smith. Um, I think this is the week that Janu Smith breaks out, especially Mariota misses, because I think Blaine Gabbert will go to the tight end position even more at that point. These guys have been running that second-team offense together. They probably have some chemistry. So Janu Smith might be a guy this week that uh, really pays dividends if Mariota goes down. Last guy I'm going to say is Terrell Pryor, and the reason being is because Quincy Anunwa was the most targeted wide receiver for the Jets. Guess who was the second most targeted wide receiver? That's right, Terrell Pryor. He only had three targets, but he turned it into three receptions for 49 yards. He did his work down the field. Sam Darnold did not look as as lost or as bad as you would think a rookie quarterback would on the road in his first NFL start. And the game script really called for a lot of running. If if the game script calls for some more passing, I think Terrell Pryor could be usable uh, for the Jets. And I, I think Quincy Anunwa's the number one there. I think you're right on that, Travis. But I think Terrell Pryor might end up being the number two wide receiver to own there. And I think that that probably has some value, especially if Sam Darnold plays the way that we saw him play against Detroit. So um, I think Terrell Pryor is a guy that you can you can add and uh, and store him on your roster and just kind of hope for the best, hope that that upside finally finally um you know leads him to some some good fantasy weeks hey so real quick before we get out of here if you had to pick one what would your guys's number one waiver priority be like what's the one guy you want to make sure you get because mine might be quincy and Nunwa. hmm interesting i mean i guess <laughs> the cop out that you ate it probably does come down to roster construction a little for me, but generally speaking, I think it's probably going to be Philip Lindsay is going to be number one for me. Um, he's going to be too expensive, and I'm probably not going to end up with him in very many leagues, but I'm probably, in most of my leagues, I'm a little bit more willing to spend on running backs because I'm always looking for running backs because they let you down every week, and... uh the the names and faces change every single week so philip Lindsay, um james gave us austin eckler that's a that's a pretty good one so those are those are a couple guys that i'm going after pretty hard yeah philip Lindsay for me is is a slam dunk guy that i want off the waiver wire this week um yeah, I think he's my number one. I, I like Quincy Anun one too. That's a good and, one. And Austin Eckler. I think I think all three of those guys are, are those are my top three. But I think Philip Lindsay's probably at the top of the list there for me. Nice. Yep. Yeah. And James, just... I don't know if you ever answered how much how much Fabby's spending on a Philip Lindsay. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm probably putting fifty five percent, over fifty percent to make sure I get him. Nice. I think you I think you'll get him. I think I, I would think, too. I think that'll do it. I think probably my thirty percent bid probably won't get him. So if you really want him, I think you got to go forty plus. Guys, we went the entire episode without talking about tight end Will Disley. Oh, and yeah, and uh, no thanks. Yeah, no Dude, thanks. I don't. No thanks. Man. To the pit of misery, Disley. What the Disley. heck? <laughs> Disley, Disley. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was great. <laughs> There's a fantasy team name for you. <laughs> you pick him up just for the fantasy for the team I name. I might have to do that. Yeah. I might have to do that. <laughs> so I don't know that I don't know that I'm buying into Will Disley, but it definitely hurts the Nick Vanette hype, man. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. I uh, I'm I'm really hoping for a week two bounce back for Vanette, but uh, but that Disley thing, yeah, that that hurt a little bit seeing him go off and knowing that I had, I, I have a lot of shares of Vanette just because he was he would cost nothing, you know. Yeah. He's, you just pick them up. So yeah. Yeah, me too. And I think I mean I think we can we'd pro, we'd all want Jared Cook or Johnny Smith over Will Disley, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 definitely by a decent margin. So there's your must ads and your waiver values for the week, but we're going to wrap it up for this episode. As we do, we're going to ask you for the same favor that we always do to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and rate and review on iTunes. Uh, Those ratings and reviews help us to get out to more listeners, expand our reach, and really zero in on the topics that are going to be the most useful to you, the listener. You can also subscribe to the DLF Family of Podcasts Mega Feed and get access to all of the great podcasts from DLF. And if you haven't already, check out Travis's solo podcast, the Travis NFL Fantasy Football Show. Um, again, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, once you've listened, um, if you could give them a rating and review, that would be much appreciated. In the vein of listener interaction while you're subscribing and rating and reviewing also send us your trades on twitter it's at superflex show and we can retweet them help you get more votes and more comments and sometimes we even analyze them right here on the podcast we'll do that throughout the fantasy season and while you're at it make sure you're following the show at superflex show and follow travis he's at travis nfl james is at underscore james the brain and i'm at superflex dude Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the song The Addiction that we use as our intro and outro music. And above all else, thank you to each and every one of you for listening. We'll talk later in the week to break down the matchups for week two. But until then, stay sexy and super flexy. Bye.